at Bayleaf Baptist Church, we take discipleship very seriously. We take it so seriously, in fact, that discipleship forms the core of our mission statement. Why we believe we exist as a people, according to God's word, directed from the words of Jesus himself. Here's why we believe that we have been established as a church. At Bayleaf Baptist Church, we exist to make disciples locally and globally for the glory of God. This is the great commission entrusted to us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to know what God has done for them in Jesus. More than that, because of the joy that is found in it, we want people to follow Jesus to look like him for the glory of God. And essentially, this is what discipleship means, teaching others to follow Jesus so they can become like him. In our passage this morning, Jesus helps us to understand more of what it means to follow him, more of what it looks like to become like him. He gives us in Matthew 16 a more complete picture of what it will take to be his disciple. Now, there are some elements of following Jesus that we have encountered in our study of Matthew's gospel that are very exciting. Some elements of being a follower of Jesus that are easier to adopt. Things like loving our neighbor and caring for the overlooked. Living in the power of the Spirit of God and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. I think we can get excited about proclaiming the gospel and the coming kingdom. But the reality that Jesus wants to unveil for us today is a bit more sobering, a bit more challenging. There are aspects to discipleship that maybe are harder to embrace. Jesus this morning, in his teaching to his disciples then and us as his disciples today, calls us to take up our cross. Jesus is calling us to take up our cross. He calls us as followers to endure in the face of suffering and life-threatening opposition. Because, as Christ told us, opposition will come. Hardship will come. Suffering will come for the follower of Jesus. We are not beyond our master church family. As we engage in the work of building God's kingdom in this broken and fallen world, we will meet resistance. But remember, even though we are resisted, we will never be defeated. Jesus is preparing us through his preparation of the disciples in Matthew 16 for this reality today. And here's the question that we must wrestle with. As we consider our our place as a follower of Christ, as we consider the role of disciple that we have stepped into in the power of the Spirit, will we be willing to lay down our lives for the one who laid down his? Will we be willing to take up our cross for the one who took up the cross for us? Now, this may not mean actual physical death, although it may mean for some. Because there are brothers and sisters around the world who have a very different counting of the cost than we do today in our context. 
But what it does mean certainly is that we are called to sacrifice. We are called to live sacrificial lives in the midst of suffering and hardship. That is part of the discipleship journey. But praise be to God, it is only temporary. We have an eternal hope that will sustain us, a joy that is greater than the struggle. And that's what allows us to take up our cross and follow him because of the resurrection life that awaits on the other side. Let's consider how Jesus challenges us this morning from his own words in Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28. Here's what Jesus says. From that time... Jesus began to show his disciples. Now remember, this is right after that powerful confession from Peter on behalf of the disciples where he said that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Christ begins to teach us about the reality of his people that he will build through that confession. From that time forward, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but you are setting your mind on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus begins our passage today with some very sobering teaching. It's the clearest teaching he's offered to this point about his future. There's no veiled language here. Jesus will go to Jerusalem and he will suffer greatly by the hands of the leadership of his own people, by the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, according to verse 21. Now think for a moment how surprising that declaration would be to the Jewish ears who are hearing it and the Jewish readers who are reading it as Matthew presents this witness to them. Jesus the Son of God will go to the city of God as the Messiah, but he will not be welcomed by those who should know him. Rather, he will be murdered by those people. He will be put to death. That's not the messianic plan that many were envisioning. That's not what they were hoping for. The praise of Praise be to God, that's not where the story ends either because he will not remain dead. On the third day after his death, Jesus says, I will rise again. Now, remember, this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus, the, the second person of the Trinity, 
The Son took on flesh to dwell among us. This is what it means for Jesus to step into the prophesied role of the suffering servant in Isaiah. This is what it means for Jesus to be what John the Baptist said about him, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. This is what it means to fulfill God's redemptive plan, to suffer and to die. And although the disciples have rightly recognized with the Lord's help, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They have not yet fully understood or embraced this aspect of his work, which leads to Peter doing something remarkable in verse 22 as he pulls Jesus aside. At least he had the, the care to do that. He pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. That's pretty audacious. He says to Jesus, Jesus, what you are saying, it cannot be true. This will never happen to you. Almost like I won't allow it to happen to you. You cannot die. There must be a way for you to be king in a different way. There must be a way for you to be king without this suffering. There must be a way for you to receive the glory that you are due without the cross. Now, does this sound familiar to anyone? This statement from Peter to me, it sounds remarkably like some of the things that Satan was saying to Jesus in the wilderness and the temptation of Christ. Do you remember what Satan said to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9? I will give you the kingdoms of the world. I will give you earthly power if you fall down and worship me. Here's what Satan is essentially saying. All these things that God has promised you, all this glory that God has promised you, all this power, I can give it to you without the suffering. He didn't mention it was temporary. You worship me, I'll let you have it all and you don't have to die. And that is essentially what Peter is wishing for here. It's essentially what Peter is asking Jesus to believe. Now, I believe that Peter thinks he is being helpful here. I think he's acting passionately out of love, trying to show loyalty. He has a desire to protect Jesus, but in reality, he is opposing the will of God, and therefore, he is aligning more with Satan than with Jesus. And so Jesus rebukes him, and that's a rebuke that sticks. Jesus reminds Peter that in order to be a disciple, he must get behind him. He must follow Jesus. He must trust Jesus. Peter, you're, you're thinking only in an earthly way. You're only seeing from one perspective. You don't know the full story. You don't know what must happen in order for God's redemptive plan to be done. You don't know what must be, be finished for the offer of salvation to be extended to the nations. And after Jesus rebukes Peter, he then tells the disciples something perhaps even more shocking. What awaits me will also await you. I must take up the cross, but you must also take up the cross. And here's the question I want you to wrestle with. Then and now, Will you follow me there? I know you like the power. I know you like the healing. I know you like the teaching. I know you like being close to me. And, and some of you are even 
asking to sit at my right hand, but can you bear, can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Will you follow me there to the cross? Will you follow me up this hill? Will you follow me to death, trusting and believing that there is something more glorious on the other side? If you are my disciple, you must. You must sacrifice as I have. You must recognize that there is something greater to give your life to than what you can see on your own. And as Jesus teaches his disciples here, he offers us a, an even clearer picture of what it means to follow him. Yes, of the salvation that he has offered us, but, but even more so what it means to follow after him in that salvation. A, a clearer picture of what a disciple of Jesus must look like. And Bayleaf will we embrace this full picture of what it means to be a disciple. Let's make sure we understand what Jesus is asking of us here as we seek and hope to follow Christ. There are three marks of a true disciple that Jesus presents to us today that I think are meant to expand our conception of what it means to follow after him. Firstly, a true follower of Jesus according to Christ's own word, will trust the will of God. We will trust the will of God even in moments when we don't fully understand it. Even in moments when it directly conflicts with our will. Let's return for a moment to Peter's rebuke of Jesus in verse 22. This is a surprising interaction between Jesus and Peter. Peter hears clearly, maybe for the first time, what awaits Jesus, and he so badly doesn't want it to happen, even though it must happen, that he takes Jesus aside and boldly tells the Son of God that he just confessed, the Messiah, to stop talking like that. Jesus, would you stop talking that nonsense? And while it may be surprising to see Peter speak to Jesus like this on the page, can we just all admit that this happens all the time off the page and the course of our lives? Those moments when we think we know better than God? Oh, no, God. You would never call me to move there. God, you, you surely wouldn't ask me to give that amount of money. Oh God, you would never ask me to open my house to a complete stranger. There's, there's no way you would do that. I remember a moment like this in my own life. When I was at Louisiana State University, you may know of this university, it's the greatest university in America. <laughs> Go Tigers. And my plan, Jared's plan, Jared's desire was to go to law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. People always told me growing up, you're going to be a pastor or a lawyer. And I said, I do not want to be a pastor. I don't, that, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want that weight in my life. And so even when the Lord was opening doors in ministry, even when it was clear he was calling me into ministry, I resisted. I tried my best over and over again to say no, but by God's grace, he would not let me. And I'm grateful for that today. But do you realize that in moments like that in our lives, when God is making his will abundantly clear and we resist it, that we are more in alignment with Satan than we are God. Because any person that is opposed to the will of God is an enemy of God, especially when it's because 
it doesn't line up with what we want. A true follower of Jesus, friends, will trust the will of God even when they don't fully understand. Our yes must always be on the altar because we trust that God sees and knows more than we do. Do we live with a heavenly, eternal perspective or are we living with an earthly one, constantly battling what God has made clear because we don't like it, because it's too uncomfortable? because it's not what I want for my life. A true follower of Jesus will trust the will of God. And secondly, a true follower of Jesus, the second mark, will die to self. We will trust and we will die. The future of Jesus, at least the immediate future, is one of suffering and death, even though it will not stay that way. And what he's telling us in this passage is that the way to eternal resurrection life. The way to joy and fulfillment is through death. Jesus tells his disciples here clearly that he must die. And in verse 24, he begins to make reference as to how he will die. He will die on a cross. Now, let's just consider for a moment how shocking this language is from Jesus. The cross was an instrument of death used by the Roman government to take out the worst among them, to carry out executions. But it was meant to do more than just bring somebody to death. It was meant to cause them to suffer as they died, to to show those around, don't be like this guy. You don't want the future that awaits them. You want to get in alignment with what Rome expects from you. This was the worst punishment imaginable, to die on a cross. And it was common to see rebels, malcontents, crooks carrying their crosses through the streets to the place of public crucifixion. As A.W. Tozer said, you knew one thing about a man who was carrying a cross out of the city. You knew he was not coming back. And Jesus is saying here in a shocking moment that this is my future I'm going to identify with the worst among you. I'm going to suffer their same fate. And it's also your future. Maybe literally, but certainly in a spiritual sense. Here's what Christ is saying. Following after him, becoming a disciple of Jesus, must be such a radical departure from who you were in your sin, who you were before Christ, that it's like that person is never coming back. You have died to yourself and you have been raised to walk in newness of life. We are called as disciples to look and to live in a noticeably different way. And that difference will never be made more known, never be more evident than in moments of hardship and suffering because it's in those moments of difficulty that we see where our joy, our hope, our desire truly lies. Are we willing to die to self? Are we willing to endure, to live noticeably different for the sake of Christ? Let's bring this a little bit closer to home. Are we willing to lay aside our dreams, 
our ambitions, our plans, our careers, our retirement, our expectations, our comfort, our pleasure, our preferences, our health, our lives for the sake of Christ. I always think here about the example of Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. We encountered them earlier in our study of Matthew back in chapter one. And I think about their story before Jesus comes on the scene. And in all likelihood, Mary and Joseph just wanted to be a normal Jewish couple. Mary wanted to be a normal Jewish girl, a normal Jewish woman, and Joseph wanted to be a normal Jewish guy, a normal Jewish husband. And in a moment, everything they expected or desired for their life changed. In a moment. Mary finds out she's with child. How did that happen? Joseph says, oh, you're with child. Not for me. I'm going to divorce you quietly. But in a moment of wonderful revelation, God made known to them what was going to be expected of them. That Mary, you're going to have the son of God. And Joseph, you're going to be her earthly father or his earthly father. It's a stunning change, right? What, what was expected, what was desired, is suddenly different because God spoke, made his will clear. And here's what they did. They trusted. They embraced. And even though it was different, it was remarkably better. They sacrificed greatly, but their sacrifice was worth it. And we are benefiting today because of their God-given faithfulness. What about your life? Are you willing to die to self in order to follow Jesus? And this leads us to Mark 3. Not only are we called to trust and die, we are also called to live in a specific way. A true follower of Jesus will live for the kingdom. Having died to self, we have been raised to walk in newness of life with God-given purpose, with God-given intentionality. Jesus encourages his followers to live in this self-sacrificial way because of the future that awaits us, a guaranteed future of which we have already had a glimpse in the resurrection. Let's look again in verses 26 to 28. Here's the words of Jesus recorded under the inspiration of the Spirit by Matthew. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus asks us, as he asks his disciples in our passage, what are we actually gaining if we live for this world? What are we actually gaining if we gain the whole world? Let's say you root your joy here. Let's say that, that you live for this life only, and by some miracle, you get to buy up the whole Monopoly board. That's all yours. What do you actually get? Because this world is passing away. We are passing away. Why would you place your hope, your eternal future? Why would you put that on the line for something that will 
die. You have an eternal soul. And Jesus is promising that he is making all things new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is building a new kingdom. And one day what is veiled will be unveiled. So why not give your life to that eternal promised reality rather than the vapor of this life? And remember, the resurrection, it provides a glimpse of that eternal reality, a taste of what is to come. That's what we see in verse 28, when Jesus says here that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the coming of the Son of Man and his kingdom. That's describing the resurrection state of Jesus, that there are many who saw the resurrected Lord bringing in his kingdom as a promise and a foretaste to the full kingdom that will be Revealed when Christ returns again in his glory. Friends, we must be willing to set aside this world for what awaits us. Not that we ignore it. We're not going to become hermits. But we engage the, the reality of this world with our future in mind. We dedicate ourselves to the kingdom to the work of the kingdom because we know that the the reward of the kingdom, the reward that will be given to us by Jesus in that day of judgment is greater than anything that we could receive here. Let me ask you to consider whether or not your life looks like you have died to self and are currently living for the kingdom. Are you, are we willing to die for the better life of the kingdom? Are we willing to dream not for our own selves, but for the kingdom's sake? Are we willing to embrace not selfish ambition, but holy ambition? Are we willing to work, not just for a better 401k, but are we willing to work for the advancement of the gospel? Are we willing to pray, not just for selfish things, but in expectation of the kingdom of God to come and move? And are we willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of finding ultimate pleasure in Christ? These are the marks of a true disciple of Jesus. This is what it looks like to look differently than the world. Take up our cross and to follow after Jesus. This is a reality, an expectation of all disciples and all of time and all of the world. And to help us understand a little bit better how the Lord is calling up disciples to live lives like this, not just here, but all over the world. I want to invite a friend of mine to the stage. His name is Pastor Desta Lenginaleta. And Pastor Desta is an Ethiopian pastor who has led and is leading an incredible catalytic mission organization, sending missionaries to some of the hardest reached places in the world. Would you welcome Pastor Desta to the stage this morning? Brother. Many years ago, Pastor Desta and I were able to meet when uh, I was at First Baptist Irving. Our church had adopted an unreached people group, an unengaged unreached people group in the southern part of Ethiopia. They lived on a mountain and there, there was no evangelical witness or very limited evangelical witness among this people. And we had sent teams to spend a week or two among the people kind of traversing this large mountain in southern Ethiopia, but we had little progress. And Destin and I had a mutual friend who said, hey, I know a guy who's raising up faithful missionaries 
and he could send some guys to live on this mountain full time. And I'm guessing they're gonna have much better success than we did or we would. And praise be to God, that was true. And so I got to go in early 2020 to meet Pastor Desta, to see the mission work that he is engaged in and to see some of the ways the gospel was advancing. But ever since then, I've had a great affection for Pastor Desta, his wife, Zinnebeck, who's here today. You wanna say hi just quickly? And uh, the work that God is doing in and through Ambericho International Prayer and Missions Movement, AIPM is what we call it for short. So Pastor Desta, we are honored to have you here. And just by way of introduction, could you tell us a little bit about you and your work with AIPM and some of the things that you are hoping to see in Ethiopia? Thank you so and much. And beyond. Uh, thank you so much. I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. You know, uh, our story just goes back to the missionaries coming in 1920s to our area. Our area was completely 100% animistic. That means our people just worship, you know, nature, mountains, rivers, big trees, and especially the witch doctors. So, you know, it was 100% animistic and the just God brought missionaries. They started the work there. So one by one people started accepting Jesus Christ. And actually many persecutions took place over against these Christians, but God worked out. And today, 95% uh, of the total population is Christian by, by God's mercy and grace. And really thank you so much. Especially we want to thank Western, Western, Western churches, Western missionaries. missionaries, missionaries who have really, really labored a lot and sacrificed a lot. And uh, the Ambaricho is the mountain, uh, which is 10,000 feet high. And it was on, the, on that top, uh, which doctor worship was conducted for over 500 years. You know, it is about 22 generation. Actually, the 22nd witch doctor became a Christian. And the very place where he was worshipped now became a prayer movement center. And uh, 25 years ago, we started with about a few people, but today over 100,000 people are gathering on the top of that mountain. And on that gathering, Pastor Jared has got, uh, you know, came and preached on that. And God, not only that, just uh, at one occasion, my eldest daughter went up there and came back with an idea of just uh, praying on monthly basis and collecting money. And she gave me $5 and the 20 cents, you know, for mission. Just asked God, what am I going to do with this mission, with this, with this dollar? And God told me to send missionaries. Or I said it is impossible because this is little money and I can't do that. But God challenged me, I obeyed God. The second year we sent the first missionary. Today we have over 350 missionaries sent out, out of that movement. That God is so good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So in 100 years. In a hundred years, there's been a radical change in the southern part of Ethiopia where you live and uh, what once was a mountain dedicated to animistic false religion is now a mountain that is dedicated to the worship of the Lord. Yes. And it's a, a wonderful thing to behold as thousands and thousands of people gather to, to praise the Lord and, and worship him. Uh, Pastor Desta, tell us a little bit as we talk about the cost of discipleship and taking up your cross to follow Jesus. Tell us a little bit about some of the difficulties 
and the, the sufferings, the, the way that you and your missionaries have had to die to self in order to be faithful to what God has called you to, to, to reach the nations with the gospel. Yeah, thank you. So there are so many things. Just uh, uh, myself, you know, God just challenged, just God told me to be his servant while I was young. And uh, actually at that time, communism took over in our country and young people and old people, everyone was, especially who is very committed to the church ministry, became a victim and put in prison, tortured, and many were killed. Actually, at that time I was young, actually, I was put in prison, even tortured, but God just poured his love in my, in my life, and I really dedicated my life, and I committed for, for ministry, and also later on, I became f for full-time ministry, I had my children with me, but God again challenged me. I left my I left my children and my wife almost for nothing. But God just blessed uh, our family, and also the same way our missionaries. Really, you know, they have some of them are even currently many university students are now leaving their degrees and diplomas aside, and now they are now becoming missionaries. So this is the the lesson what we learn is really true that you know people are people have to live their safety their, and their loved ones and also their degrees and their reputations and whatever they have and for the sake of Christ now God is I see God is mightily moving so God challenged me to live uh, everything I had and now I see that God is using me even in the despite of my weaknesses and God is so good and many missionaries now who are going to the mission field Many of them are stoned, many of them are beaten, uh, many of them are tortured, but they are still strong by their faith, and uh, uh, God is using them mightily, and uh, really that is a wonderful opportunity for me to work in that situation. It's uh, an incredible thing to see the dedication of these missionaries. Yes. Uh, the two that we got to visit on top of the mountain with the Unreached People Group, uh, the, there were, I think there were 12 tribes of the Dorsey people right. were who we were connected with, and it took over two hours to walk between the tribes. So just imagine that. I mean, two hours just to get from one section of people to another just to meet with them and, and have gospel conversations. But they were walking daily. And on top of that, they were leaving their families down the mountain for weeks on end. So just great sacrifice, even as they were committed to the gospel. Now, share with us some encouraging news, Pastor Desta. Share with us how the Lord is advancing his kingdom through these sacrifices and, and through this commitment, because the Lord often uh, does his best work in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of suffering. Yeah, uh, you know, the work of mission is always connected with sacrifice, uh, especially for, for the, the first missionary whom we sent. You know, he was sent to the place where it was called Mecca, Mecca of Ethiopia, no Christian at all. Just God told us to go there. The first missionary went there. You know, Muslims just, you know, fueled the fire, fueled, you know, gasoline and fired this house, just God delivered his, his life. We built the first church. They even sent, you know, you know uh, thrown a bomb, but God also again <laughs> delivered his life and others. Now at that very place, now we have seven churches now. Wow. And also there are people who are very resistant, 
just a few years ago, we started sending missionaries, and these missionaries, many times they were beaten and persecuted and so on and so forth. By this time, you now we have 341 people came to Christ. Wow. Now we have started two churches, and also we started mission work in northern part of the country. It is Coptic Eastern Orthodox Christians. They have priests. These priests are very strong and resistant. So seven years ago, I started with seven priests training them and so on and so forth. So right now we have over 19,000 priests came to Christ wow. and huge movement is going on. And also among the Muslims, we started the work. God is, Jesus is manifesting himself through dreams and visions. Now we have many imams, sheikhs coming to Christ and back and going back as missionaries and God is mightily, mightily moving. So the second uh, turn is ours. So we will be missionaries and God would, would bless the rest of the world through Ethiopia. So we are so much grateful for, for what he's doing. Can we give praise of the Lord for that Amen. report? Incredible. Just what began as a small offering from his daughter, what began as a, a dream that God gave him was met with opposition, but that did not deter Pastor Desta and Zinnebeck and their family and this organization. And there is so much incredible fruit that has come through the obedience of, of these missionaries to follow Jesus faithfully. Just and uh, we, we give thanks to that. Just one, you know, I'm sorry for No, please. So, you know, we do one-to-one -one, one -one evangelism. These missionaries do one-to-one -one evangelism every two months. We get reports throughout the last 18 years. Uh, these missionaries shared for over 3 million people the goodness of Jesus Christ. Among them, over 300,000 people came to Christ, and over 2,700 churches are planted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Can we pray? I want to pray for Pastor Desta and Zinnebeck and AIPM Ministries. Um, the Lord would continue to use them mightily to take the gospel to the, the hardest of places to reach. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for Pastor Desta. Thank you for the blessing of having he and Zinnebeck here with us today. God, we thank you for how you have used him to raise up a generation of missionaries. We thank you for how you have used these missionaries to go into very difficult places to spread the gospel. Thank you that you have gone before them and thank you for the over 300,000 people who did not know you, who now know you through the ministry of AIPM. And Father, we pray for continued um, blessing upon this ministry. Father, we thank you and pray that you would use them in even greater ways in the places of Ethiopia that are yet unreached, in the places of the Horn of Africa and the southern part of Africa, the north of Africa, the Middle East, where there's still a large part of the population who believe in false religions or a perverted version of the gospel, Father, would you use them to declare clearly who Christ is and what you have done for them in Jesus. Father, we do pray in agreement with Pastor Desta that you would use this missionary movement in Ethiopia to take the gospel to the nations. And we pray these things and entrust them into your care in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We give thanks again for Pastor Desta. Thank you, my brother. Well, it's clear how Pastor Desta and Zinnebeck and the, the missionaries at AIPM have responded, but now I think we must consider our own response. As we've seen, this, 
This global picture painted of faithful disciples taking up their cross and following them. Church family, how will we follow after Jesus? Let me just give you a few responses to consider as you sit before the Lord this morning. Firstly, if you do not know Jesus, if you have not yet followed Jesus, if you are not a believer today, this first uh, call is for you. Would you follow Christ? Would you follow after him. He is the way to eternal life. He is the door into God's kingdom. Let me ask you the question that Jesus asks. What does it profit you if you gain the whole world? How many times do we have to turn on the TV, turn on social media and see that material possessions, having more things in this world will not bring you joy. It will not bring you satisfaction. It, it's an, an emptiness that all of us feel. Let me tell you where fullness is found. His name is Jesus. Will you follow him? And for those of us who are in Christ, let me challenge you with the marks that Jesus offers. And let me just ask you before the Lord to consider if they are true of your life. Would you trust God's will? Would you trust God's will? When he speaks, when he makes his will clear for you and your family, are you saying yes? My guess is there's a mixture of responses in our lives, as is true in my life, where there are times where there's an easy yes, but there may be other times where it's a harder yes. Would you pray that the Lord would soften your heart toward his will and that you would ask him to help you say yes more often to what he has made clear? Would you also die? To yourself? Would you forsake everything for the kingdom of God? That's what we've committed to. I was thinking yesterday as we were beholding these 23 baptisms of what it is that we have committed ourselves to that we are publicly proclaiming in baptism. Remember, what we're saying is in Jesus, through the work of Jesus, I am dying to my old self and I am being raised to walk in the power of the gospel in newness of life. If you've made that confession, let me ask you, are you living in it? Do you look different from those around you to the point where Jesus is noticeably ruling and reigning over your life? And as you die to yourself, are you living for the kingdom? That's the fourth way I want us to consider to respond this morning, to live for the kingdom, that we would do everything for the glory of God. Here's a question I want you to wrestle with every day. How can I, how can we use our talents Use our jobs, use our homes, use our families, use our time, our interest, our activities, our finances, the whole of our lives for the glory of God. Remember, tomorrow as you go to school, tomorrow as you go to work, tomorrow as you go to the golf course if you are so lucky, tomorrow as you walk in your neighborhood, tomorrow as you go to the gym, you are not doing that for any other reason ultimately, than to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We are to be light and darkness everywhere we go. And our ultimate purpose at school, our ultimate purpose at work, our ultimate purpose at the gym, our ultimate purpose on the golf course or the tennis court, our ultimate purpose on the basketball court, our ultimate purpose in our neighborhood is to declare the glory of Christ. Are we living with that kind of intentionality and commitment? I pray that it would be so of our church because that is what we desire, to raise disciples who trust and die and live all for the glory of God. Will it be true of you? Will it be true of us? Wherever you are, will you bow your heads? Asking the Lord to help you know how to respond this morning.
to the preached word. The word of God always demands a response. Are you following Jesus? If not, let today be the day. Just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers up here to the front. We would love to receive you and pray with you and encourage you to follow Christ. To confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and be saved. For those who are in Christ, are you trusting the will of God? Are you dying to self? And are you living for the kingdom? Are you walking in newness of life? May it be true of us as we follow Jesus. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this testimony of our brother. Thank you most of all for Jesus and his gospel. And may we look more like Jesus as a people because of the time before your word that we have had today. Help us to respond faithfully, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.